Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining us on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm thrilled you could join me for this new episode where we take a look at paranormal locations in Mexico. We're counting down the top five supernatural places in the country for satisfying that craving for eerie supernatural stories. But before we start, as a reminder, please be sure to take a look at the Paranormal Factor Podcast Facebook page. Every single day, Monday through Friday, there's new paranormal and supernatural material for you to check out. Fans of the show know it's the best place to find monsters, quizzes, film, TV, and book recommendations, and current paranormal news stories from around the world. Now, on to our episode. It is May 24th. 1882. A big storm was about to hit the city of Guadalajara. A young couple was putting their 10-year-old son to bed. His name was Ignacio Torres Altamirano, and his parents and grandparents lovingly called him Nachito. As Nachito was afraid of the dark, he always had to sleep with two lit torches outside his bedroom window, and he slept with the windows open. On this night, when the storm hit Guadalajara, the torches blew out. In the morning the next day, Nachito's mother entered his room and could immediately tell something was very wrong. The room was extremely cold. So she ran to her son's bed to find Nachito motionless and as cold as the room. Later, it was determined Nachito had died of a heart attack that night because of his intense, almost pathological fear of the dark. Rumors began to spread that the young boy's heart had exploded inside his chest, and Nachito's horrible death was the result of a curse, or worse, the work of demons. Nachito was buried at the nearby cemetery, called by locals El Panteon de Belén, and the next morning the boy's coffin was found, disinterred, and lying on the ground next to the hole that was Nachito's grave. Well, the parents and locals alike were shocked, and the cemetery caretaker reburied the boy's coffin. However, the next morning, the same thing happened, and it happened again for the next nine days. Nachito's parents concluded that because the boy was so afraid of the dark, he did not want to be kept in the ground, away from the light. The solution? Make a stone coffin, standing on four short pillars above the ground, so Nachito's tomb could always see sunlight. Since the time of Nachito's death, many people visiting the cemetery have claimed to have either seen or heard the young boy. Some report seeing mysterious balloons floating evenly a few meters over the cemetery as if being carried by a child. Of course, Nachito's grave draws the curious from all parts of Mexico, some of whom leave him a toy and ask him for a favor. On Children's Day, which locally is celebrated on April the 30th, and Christmas Day especially, the area surrounding Nachito's final resting place become covered in small toys and plush animals. The caretakers of the cemetery always donate the offerings to local hospitals, and the items? 
Well, they're donated to terminally ill children. The story is one of many that are connected with historic haunted and paranormal locations in Mexico, and the stories and legends linked with each site tell of spooky and frightening encounters with the strange and supernatural. So let's get to our list of paranormal locations and their associated stories. Mexico is a country well-versed in the paranormal and supernatural. There are, of course, plenty of folklore and legends. And like many other countries, Mexico is home to numerous cryptids and monsters, from chupacabras and Bigfoot to demon dogs and giant birds. And some of the best UFO cases are found there as well. Even today, the country has many stories of UFOs and alien abductions, including loads of videos taken by its citizens. And let's not forget the weird sightings of flying humanoids that are prevalent in Mexico. Of course, you can't leave out the countless tales of ghosts and strange haunted sites. They're scattered throughout Mexico. This, then, is our top five paranormal locations in Mexico. Number five, Casa de Negra in Mexico City. Literally the black house, this 19th century mansion is now abandoned. According to the legend, its first owners, a family named Mondragon, died of unknown causes in the house. Without a live heir, the property passed into state custody. Supposedly because of the paranormal phenomena, the house is uninhabitable. Paranormal activity on the site includes temperature changes, voices, bizarre sounds, doors opening and closing by themselves, and invisible hands that regularly touch and pull people. Some say this imposing house was originally home to the Mondragon family. As the story goes, one night the entire family, parents and three children, perished in their beds under mysterious circumstances. It's said that typhoid patients were housed in Casa Negra in 1935 because, at the time, the outbreaks of typhoid spread rapidly and caused overcrowding in the city's hospitals. In those times, the disease was considered by locals to be an evil caused by diabolical entities. This aroused fear in the neighbors of Casa Negra. They decided to eradicate the sick by burning down the house in the middle of the night. No one was able to escape the fire, leaving women, children, and medical personnel to die by asphyxiation or being burned alive. Today, no one lives in the house because it's said that screams can still be heard and the souls of the sick continue to wander through its corridors. The Black House is considered one of the most haunted places in Mexico City. Since it's abandoned, it would seem to be the perfect place for the homeless to spend the night. But apparently, no one has been able to spend more than even a few hours inside the compound. It is that frightening. What's so frightening about it? Those who have visited La Casa Negra say the temperature inside drops sharply after 10 p.m. and the newly chilled air is haunted by strange sounds and screams. Doors open and close on their own. Those who have gone inside the house even say that they have felt invisible hands pushing them toward the exit. And experiences have even happened to the people who live nearby or eat in the food stalls outside. They confirm that after 10 p.m., the temperature outside drops drastically and the atmosphere becomes heavy. People say loud, strange noises are heard. They see the doors opening and closing by themselves and voices and shouts are heard. And all of this is happening well outside the physical confines of the actual house itself. Number four, Claudia Mahango's house in Queretaro. 
La Casa de Claudia Mijangos has a very dark, very tragic story. Claudia Mahangos was born into a middle-class family in Mazalan, Mexico. She was a beauty queen. She grew up having a very privileged life. She married Alfredo Castanos Gutierrez. They had three children together, and after the death of her parents, Claudia received a very nice inheritance. The family of five then moved to Querétaro, Mexico, but everything would not end well for this family. Alfredo and Claudia began having marital issues, separated, and he moved out, though they did share custody of the children. When Claudia was 33 years old, she began to experience severe psychotic attacks in the months before April 1989. These attacks involved hallucinations of demons and angels, which left her psychologically tormented. On April 23, 1989, Claudia's husband picked up their children from a school fair and brought them to Claudia's house. There, they engaged in an intense argument. Before Alfredo left, Claudia threatened her husband, saying he would be sorry. After locking the door behind him, Claudia went upstairs to tuck her children into bed and went to sleep. A few hours later, on April 24, 1989, at around 4 in the morning, Claudia awoke to loud voices in her head. She stated that the voices told her Mazalan had disappeared and all of Querétaro is a spirit. Claudia got out of bed, dressed, went downstairs to the kitchen, and took out three knives while her children were still sleeping. She then went back upstairs and horrifically and tragically stabbed to death all three children. She was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and temporal lobe epilepsy. She was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 30 years in prison, the maximum sentence for such a crime in Mexico. Mejangos was released from prison in 2019 and admitted to a psychiatric clinic. According to local legends, the house where she committed the crime is very haunted. It is said the haunting is due to the events that happened inside. The stories say you can hear the crying of the children emerging from the interior of the house. Neighbors claim the screams are so loud they can be heard inside their own homes. The screams are often that of the children begging their mother for mercy. On the second floor, people have seen a child popping up from time to time through the window. More specifically, the apparition of Claudia's son, Alfredo, appears in the second story window, covered in blood. The emotive imprint upon the site is said to be palpable, and the house is considered one of the most haunted locations in all of North America. Number three, La Posada del Sol in Mexico City. In the center of Mexico City lies the ruins of the Hotel Posada del Sol, a graffiti-covered abandoned hotel that is really one of the most haunted sites in North America's largest city. Fernando Saldana Galvan poured everything into the hotel in the mid-20th century in a failed attempt to create one of the most extravagant hotels in the world in Mexico City. The hotel was planned to be built on a grand scale with more than 600 rooms, a casino, theater, beautiful chapel, ballrooms, galleries, tea rooms, Turkish baths, and a human-sized chessboard. Unfortunately for Galvan, external factors got the better of him. Construction on Posada del Sol was completely suspended at the beginning of 1945. One explanation cited for the hotel's demise is that Galvan went insane 
and murdered his family just before opening the cultural center. Others believe that Galvan got into deep water with the Freemasons, or that the project was all a facade to perform satanic rites. After all, you know how rumors can be spread. But as Galvan's debt rose and things grew worse, he did commit suicide by hanging himself in the hotel yard from the bell tower of the chapel in front of the statue of St. Francis of Assisi. Legend has it he cursed the building before taking his life, which is why it stands empty today. And today, many believe his spirit still haunts the hotel he loves so much and protects it from any intrepid visitor who dares trespass the old gates of the Posada del Sol. One of the hotel's legends says that in the 1960s, when the building housed the offices of the National Institute for the Community Development and Rural Housing, a small girl got lost from the on-site kindergarten for employees. After long hours of investigation, her corpse was found in one of the hidden basements of the building. Mystery surrounds this story as the identity and cause of death for the little girl were never uncovered. Her spirit is also thought to roam the hotel. One of the most eerie features of the abandoned hotel is a dark room believed to be home to the altar for the missing girl who was found dead in the hotel basement. The room with the altar has a small doorstep that forces most to crouch to get inside. You can see different drawings, doodles, and sentences with errors. At the back of this room, the altar stands. It shows a girl's dress hanging over a table with all kinds of gifts. You can see sweets, toys, worn out photographs, flowers, and candles. There's another altar in another room, blocked from the inside by a lot of debris. This altar contains old doll heads. On the back side of the wall that separates this second room from the girl's altar, there's a small alcove that looks like a tomb. There's a drawing of a cross on the wall, and a wooden cross decorates the tomb. Some have been known to place candy on the girl's altar in order to escape a curse from her ghost, or for safe passage to explore the abandoned grounds. The altar is said to have dark origins and sinister energy. Unfortunately, it's illegal to visit the inside of the hotel, so it's recommended you appreciate Posada del Sol from the outside to avoid police arrest. Even though the Posada del Sol has been abandoned for many years, neighbors confirm that during the night, they can hear bone-chilling cries coming from the walls. It has become one of the most haunted sites in Mexico City. Well, let's see what our final two paranormal locations are. Number two, Panteón de Belén, Santa Paula Cemetery in Guadalajara. Panteón del Belén, or Santa Paula Cemetery, was built to meet the need for more burial spots for victims of epidemics, primarily cholera. Perhaps due to this tragic origin, the cemetery is shrouded in myths and tales of ghosts roaming the grounds. Guadalajara also faced a large famine in 1786. The old hospital was not large enough to treat the number of patients. Soon, deaths increased. Guadalajara required a new cemetery outside the populated areas. The cemetery was built in 1848 and was located next to the old civic hospital in a former orchard called San Miguel Belén, from where it gets its locally known name. The name Cemeterio de Santa Paula, or in English, the St. Paula Cemetery, comes from the fact that there is a chapel dedicated to the saint on the cemetery grounds. The cemetery was designed by the famous Mexican architect Manuel Gomez Ibarra, 
and Santa Paula was initially divided into two sections, one for the wealthy citizens of Guadalajara and one for the not-so-wealthy. Local lore includes the legends of the pirate, the lovers, the monk, the nun, the child afraid of the dark, and many more. People have claimed to see these deceased residents haunting the graveyard over the years. Here are three such tales from the Santa Paula Cemetery. At the beginning of our episode, you heard the sad tale of Nachito. But there is another Santa Paula legend regarding a child that is connected to the former hospital next door. A young boy named Santiago was suffering from a terminal stomach illness. During one of her visits to the hospital, Santiago's mother brought the boy one of his favorite saint statues from home to give her son comfort. While he was sleeping, the mother placed the small statue in the boy's hands, and when he awoke, he threw the statue against the wall, cursing God for giving him such a terrible disease. He yelled to anyone who would hear his wish that God himself would contract the horrible illness that he was suffering from. Santiago ended his rant by reportedly saying, if God gets this disease, let's see who will cure him. That night, the boy's pain was more intense than ever and he wandered outside the hospital and into the cemetery. The next morning, the boy's body was found hanging from a tree with the hospital bedsheets used as a noose. To this day, at night, people claim to see the boy hanging from a tree inside the Santa Paula Cemetery. Also popular is the story of Victoriana Hurtado, a woman who was born in 1833 and who suffered from catalepsy since she was a child. This is a medical condition characterized by a trance or seizure with a loss of sensation and consciousness accompanied by rigidity of the body. Well, you know what's coming. The person appears to be dead, a corpse. According to legend, she was buried alive by her own children, Octaviano, Alejandro, and Javier. They took advantage of the fact their mother's illness at times made her suffer a state of stiffness, unconsciousness, and a shrinking pulse rate. They arranged to have her declared dead and then buried, alive. Once the evil deed was done, they looked forward to inheriting all of her wealth. However, they couldn't accomplish this objective to take her fortune, for the woman had, in fact, left every penny to charity. The real story of the atrocity became known because the watchman of the cemetery heard a terrible cry from the tomb of the woman the very day of her burial. When he arrived, he saw the bloodied hand of Victoriana who tried to leave the tomb. Later it was learned that she died of a heart attack. The hand reaching from the grave was petrified. Now, one of the most interesting stories connected with the cemetery has to do with a vampire. The Highgate Cemetery in London is not the only graveyard with a vampire, it would seem. The legend of the vampire tree took root in the mid-1800s in the Berenquitas neighborhood of El Carrizal, Guadalajara. Citizens reported a string of deaths occurring only at night and happening to small animals throughout Guadalajara. Well, initially it appeared the deaths were from natural causes. Weeks wore on, but the scary occurrences persisted. An investigation followed, and upon closer inspection, it was learned that the body of each animal was marked by two closely positioned punctures, and not a drop of blood remained inside the corpses. But more horrifyingly, shortly thereafter, this same tragedy began to befall children, mostly newborns. Mothers were finding their babies in their cribs, dead, with the same puncture marks and drainage of blood. 
As you might guess, town folks were soon driven to remain indoors after dark. Locals known for being great nighttime merrymakers instead rushed home every sunset to pray. Seeking to summon holy powers to destroy this unknown supernatural being and eradicate it from the city. One evening, a resolute group, tired of the ongoing attacks, ventured out to track down and eliminate the force responsible, by this time believed to be a vampire. Here is where the legend branches off into three possible conclusions. One storyline states the mob rounded up suspects, singling out a ghostly looking man who was pale white and most resembled a vampire in their view. They drove a stake through his heart to kill him. Another variation recounts the mob entering homes of individuals and locating one man asleep in his bed, driving a stake through his heart. Both legends say that the body was then dragged to the Santa Paula Cemetery. A final rendition has the men setting a trap and ensnaring a more demonic stalker. They dragged the beast's body to the Santa Paula Cemetery and with a long stake pierced its heart, leaving the monster to perish in place. Regardless of which of the three conclusions is met, the following morning, the corpse was covered with a thick concrete slab to trap it in place. Locals rejoiced when the vampire attack ceased, thus proving they'd killed the right man. Surprisingly, months later, the wooden stake used to kill the alleged vampire sprouted and pierced the concrete slab and began to grow, eventually becoming a large tree. Folklore says if you cut into the trunk of the tree, blood will seep out apparently being the blood of the vampire who lies buried below. Or that if a person breaks one of the branches, not only will it gush blood, but its leaves will impart a red deposit on the skin. For nearly 200 years, the tree has been growing. Its twisted, vast network of roots undulate and wrap around adjacent graves and markers. The tree is now quite large, with its huge root system grabbing the slab like the tentacles of an octopus. Legend says the day may come when this gnarled tree will break the slab barrier covering the vampire, allowing him to escape and seek revenge on Guadalajara. Perhaps to prevent such a catastrophic event, the tree is now protected with a fenced enclosure to preserve its life. The tree stands within the historic walls of the cemetery's Pantheon de Santa Paula. Many ghost sightings have been recorded around the Santa Paula Cemetery, though some think it may be just some form of mass hysteria aroused from all of the various associated ghost tales. Still, this Mexican cultural allure for the dead draws dozens of people to the constant daytime and nighttime ghostly tours held at the cemetery, especially on November the 2nd, the Day of the Dead. And finally, number one, the infamous Island of the Dolls in Mexico City. Deep in the heart of the canals of Xochimilco, Mexico City's last vestige of the Aztecs, is one of the world's most haunted and tragic locations, the Island of the Dolls. Here on this single acre, which contains three huts and a crowd of decaying dolls, locals swear they see ghosts and hear shadows talking. It is, they believe, quite simply, cursed. The Island of the Dolls was originally owned by Don Julian Santana Barrera and is full of dolls hanging from trees and buildings covered with spider webs and insects. The place was named in the 1950s when the dolls started randomly appearing on the island. According to legend, a young girl drowned entangled among the lilies of the canal and her body was found on the banks of the local waterway. Santana claimed to have heard the girl crying out, I want my doll. Shortly thereafter, Julian saw a floating doll near the canals. 
Most probably the doll belonged to the girl. He picked up the doll and hung it on a tree as a way of showing respect and support to the girl's spirit. He hung the doll near where he found the girl's body. It's said that the drowned girl has possessed the dolls with her spirit ever since. After the event, every time he went outside, he claims to have found a new doll hanging from one of the trees. The spirit of the girl was living in sorrow, Julian's great-nephew, Rogelio Sanchez Santana said. In the mornings, Julian started seeing ghosts and one day woke up and found all his crops had died. He tried many things to improve his crops, but he couldn't because the spirit damaged it. He became more and more scared. Barrera built an altar in his one-room cabin on the island where he and his wife lived, hoping to appease the spirit. But the spirit still came, Santana said. So he started collecting dolls as a way to protect himself from the spirit. Over the next half century, Barrera collected more than 1,000 dolls, some from the trash in the area's main city, others gifted by neighbors and visitors. They're all still there, decaying, sometimes beheaded and truly creepy. Everywhere you look, there are dirty dolls hanging from trees, nailed to buildings and other structures, strung along clothesline. According to those close to him, it was as if Julian was driven by some unseen force that completely changed him. Apparently, he was very marked by the fact that he was not able to save the little girl's life. After 50 years of collecting dolls and hanging them on the island, Julian was found dead. His nephew, Anastasio Velasco, found Barrera's body floating in the water one day when he was helping his uncle plant pumpkins. It was reported his body was in the same exact spot where the little girl had drowned 50 years before. Many people who visit and know the island believe Julian has joined the other spirits of the island. Velasco claims that at night it's possible to hear both the girls crying and his uncle's cane thumping on the ground. The dolls still hang in trees all over the island, broken, rotten, missing limbs, severed heads, ripped dresses, making a nightmare landscape. Passerbys and local people alike swear the dolls blink, open their eyes, move their heads and arms, and even turn their heads to watch visitors as they walk around the island. They hear footsteps also from within the woods. Some witnesses claimed that they had heard the dolls whispering to each other, while others who were on a boat near the island said the dolls tried to lure them to come to the island. The island was featured on the Travel Channel show Ghost Adventures, the Amazon Prime show Lore, and was also featured on BuzzFeed Unsolved, where Shane Madey, a firm skeptic of the paranormal, asserted he believes in the legends about the island. The locals are very convinced the Isla de las Munecas is a haunted place. After Julian's death in 2001, it has become a tourist attraction where visitors bring even more dolls. And the dolls are still there today on the island. The Island of the Dolls is an hour and a half boat ride from Embarcadero Cumanco. And the only access is by boat. Most rowers are willing to transport people to the island. But there are those who refuse due to superstitions. And there you have it, our top five paranormal locations in the country of Mexico. I think we'll skip the usual comments by the skeptics. We'll just bask in the supernatural allure of these five magnificently haunted places. 
places that really ratchet up the fright factor. There are so many terrifying and eerie haunted locations in Mexico, it was really, to be honest, hard to arrive at just these five. You could easily chart a ghost tour in the country and require a few weeks at the least. And I think it's safe to say these locations offer up a host of thrills and chills. Not scary enough, you say? Then let me ask you, who among you would be willing to spend the night alone in any one of these locations? Any takers? If we missed one of your favorite locations, please let me know in comments on the Facebook page. Maybe we can do some more in the next season of the Paranormal Factor Podcast. Well, in our next episode, you get two for one. We'll be looking into two of the weirdest reported cryptids out there, folks. The Sheep Squatch and the Bat Squatch. Weird hybrid creatures said to be linked, at least in form, to Sasquatch. I mean, these creatures are on the fringe of cryptids, so we're going to introduce you listeners to them on what they are and what they look like, where they're being sighted, and what might possibly explain these strange creatures. We'll be giving you a special of two monsters in one episode. Yes, you got to hear about these two bizarre beasts. So join us as we take a look at the Sheep Squatch and the Bat Squatch next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Quiz time, everybody. And here we go. As of 2021, how many American adults believe Bigfoot exists? Is it A, 6%, B, 13%, C, 29%, or D, 37%? Once again, as of 2021, how many American adults believe Bigfoot actually exists? Is it 6%, 
more likely to plan to invest in cryptocurrency, more likely to bet on sports online, more likely to believe in the Loch Ness Monster, more likely to enjoy the 1990s TV show The X-Files, and more likely to own a gun. While we may not be able to say with assurance that Bigfoot is really out there, we can say for sure that these surveys show the Sasquatch's grip on the American psyche is as strong as ever. For many, just the possibility that there could be a giant anthropoid creature walking our forests undetected is uh, somehow comforting. Maybe it's the desire to know there are still mysteries in our world that we cannot explain or erase. Many people believe. Maybe you believe too. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>